0: Good evening everyone. I'm going to read to you from Psalm 40. I'm going to read the whole psalm from the New King James Version. Though I'm only really going to concentrate particularly on the first three verses of it. But I'll refer to other verses as I go along as well. Psalm 40 says this. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust, and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened, burnt offerings and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord, you yourself know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from that great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I'm not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha, Aha. Let all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my helper, my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Let's just pray. Father, we do want to thank you for your word. Thank you that we're able to worship you tonight in, in uh, song, in, through prayer, and now through your word. And we pray, Father, that you'll speak to each one of us from your word. Pray, Father, that there'll be something there that would comfort us, help us, assure us. Lord, we want to love you. We want to hear from you. So come and speak through your Holy Spirit. Have your way, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, a week or two ago, you'll have seen the news where there was a, a massive earthquake in in Italy, and um, I just sort of, as I watched the devastation on the news of what an earthquake earthquake causes, I thought to myself, you know, I, I wonder what that's like. You know, to just be going about your business and everything's normal, you get up on a normal day, you maybe go to work, maybe you're, if you're young playing out with friends, or you're at school or whatever it is, and then suddenly the very foundation upon which you're standing shakes, and, and the things that are all familiar to you suddenly are collapsing around you, it must be an, an horrendous feeling to have that happen to you. You know, to have the ground literally taken from beneath you, Is a scary thing. Most of us here will not experience that kind of earthquake. It could happen, but it's unlikely. But we don't need an earthquake to have the ground taken from beneath us, do we? You know that every day we just go about our business, we make our plans, we we just decide to do what we want to do each day, and yet at any given moment, the ground can literally be taken from underneath us. Something can befall us, or our family, or our church, or something that will just shake us to our foundations. And we can go from instant an instant peace and joy to a hopelessness and a despair. We as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are not exempt from these troubles. The Bible tells us it rains on the just and the unjust. In John 16, 33, Jesus said these words, he said, These things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So the, the very problems and situations that can befall anybody on this planet can be ours as well. But the difference we have is that we have Christ as our peace. He offers us a peace in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of turmoil, we can know peace. Indeed, we should have peace as believers. You know, when Jesus talks about don't be anxious for anything, and then we become anxious about something, we're sinning. We, we really are. Because Christ says you can have peace, you can have trust in me. When things go wrong, we can see where our trust really lies, what we really have our faith in. Because things will happen, problems will come, but Christ is our peace. In this psalm we have David, God's chosen king, and he has been in deep distress. Exactly what this distress is, we're not quite sure. Some commentators say it's possible that David's troubles at this time in this psalm stem from him being usurped by his son Absalom. But it could have been despair over his sin. For example, in verse 12 of Psalm 40, it says, My iniquities have overtaken me, so I'm not able to look up. I wonder if ever that's been you as well, where, you know, you've been so sort of uh, away from God, maybe, you know, willfully sinning, deliberately not trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, that you feel so ashamed that you just can't even lift your head. You know, right in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, again, when they sin, when they disobey God, they hid. That's what we tend to do when we disobey God. We hide from him as if we can hide from him, as if he doesn't really know what we've done anyway. But we feel a guilt, and so we should feel bad about those things. But then the devil piles on the pressure as well and says, you who claim to be a Christian, you who claim to follow Jesus and look at what you said, look at what you did. And it seems that David's iniquities, whatever they were, and we know he was by no means perfect, had overtaken him so much so that he couldn't even look up anymore. So it could have been despair over his sin. It could have been that his enemies were trying to destroy him. That seems a a recurrent theme for David in his life. You look at the Psalms that David wrote. There's a common theme to them. He's always like, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. Lord, destroy those people who are after me. Just get rid of those scoffers, those who are laughing at me and and um, bringing shame to your name. Lord, destroy them. So there's lots of things going on in David's life. He says in verse 14 and 15 of Psalm 40, he says, "'Let them be ashamed.'" And, and brought to mutual confusion, who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor, who wish me evil. Let they be confounded because of their shame, those who say to me, Aha, Aha. Well, whatever's happening in David's life, in this psalm, David speaks of his deliverance from distress. Again, because of the situation with his son Absalom, some people say it's possibly this time that he gets restored to the throne. And then he goes on to praise God for his favor. I want to think tonight particularly about verses 1 to 3. There's so much in here, you could have picked any few verses and, and spent uh, more than one week looking at these things. But the first thing I want us to think about, I got three points like all good preachers should have. Um, but the first point is this. When you're in a pit, you need to wait on God. First thing is this, when you're in a pit, you need to wait on God. It says in Psalm um, 40 here, it says that God delivered him from a pit. This is in verse 2, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Now, again, I think, uh, as I've been sort of researching this and looking into it, the translation horrible pit is not the best translation. Some suggest that a better translation would be dungeon. Dungeon. Dungeon sounds worse than a pit. A pit could be just a small thing that you just fall in and you struggle to get out. But a dungeon suggests something even deeper. Some place maybe where there's no light and no escape, and you can only wait for deliverance. And when we think about pits, and we think about what's going on in David's life here, the pit can be any of life's trials. Things happen that can lead even a child of God to despair. And perhaps there are things in your life and my life right now that are causing us to feel anxious, stressed, despair. Your pit could be poor health, the loss of a job, former friends that have turned against you, an unfaithful partner, rebellious children, debt, or any other overwhelming problem. You may be responsible for being in the pit yourself somewhat. Or it may be that you're the victim of the sin of others. David's situation seems to be a combination of the two. He's down, he's depressed, he's deep, he can't look up from his iniquities, he's got people chasing after him. People around him rallying against him. He had troubles without and within. But in this particular psalm, he's articulating his frustration and his despair. But imagine if you couldn't articulate it. Last night, um, there was just me, Beth, and Joel at home, and I said, do you want to watch a film? And I don't know where Beth's got it from, but she's into, she wants to watch anything that's to do with royal family. I and mean, she made me watch a film the other week called A Royal Night Out. I don't know if you've seen that. No, you don't want to watch it. It's pants. It's just—it's not good. It's rubbish. But, anyway, but last night she saw on Netflix that we could watch the King's Speech, so we decided to watch that. Has anybody seen the King's Speech? Yeah, a few people seen it. It's just really interesting. Now, there's one part in the film where the the uh, Bertie, who's going to be King George the Sixth, as is with his uh, his dad, his father, current king, King George the Fifth, and he's trying to get Bertie to speak. He said, come on, you know, one day you're going to have to make these announcements on the radio. I want you to speak. And, of course, Bertie's got a stutter. And he's trying his best. And his dad's just getting so frustrated with him. He starts saying to him, look, just just take it easy. Just calm down. You know, just, just take your time. Come on, lad, just spit it out. Come on, lad, just read what it says. And poor Bertie's getting in such a fluster because he can't speak properly. He's the child of a king, and he shouldn't have difficulties, right? At least that's what his father thought. There's a real frustration, isn't there, when you're struggling, when you're in a pit, and people don't understand. There's a, there's a real frustration, isn't there, when you can't articulate why you're in that pit. I don't know if you've ever been there. Why are you are down and despairing, and things are difficult, and you're depressed, and people are saying, just snap out of it. Just just get on with it. Well somebody, what, have, what problems have you got in your life to cause you to feel like that? You just need to snap out of. There's people in the world far more difficult situations than you. You know, I think there's nothing worse than hearing people say, "Just get over it." Just snap out of it. Don't you know you're a Christian? You're a child of the king. You shouldn't be depressed. Don't you just love well-meaning Christians who say stuff like that to you? Yeah, you're right, Jeff. You want to strangle them? Because they don't get it. And it seems sometimes we're in a pit, and we don't know why we're in the pits. It seems sometimes, for David as well, and you read in lots of the Psalms that people are despairing. And they're depressed. Might not use that word, but we would use that word today. We would say they're suffering from depression. And they're despairing. And you think, but these guys believe in God. You know, why don't they just trust God? Doesn't happen like that, does it? You know, there's another little frustration as well that we might have sometimes as believers. Is that we know God hears our prayers. But we can get frustrated when God doesn't always seem to answer our prayers. That's another little frustration we can have. We know that God hears our prayers. We know he does. If we truly believe in the Lord Jesus, we know he's hearing us. We know that he knows our situation. And we're pleading with him like David is in this psalm. And he's saying, Lord, hear me. Lord, help me. And yet, no answer seems to come our way. What do we do when that happens in our lives as Christians? Well, you know, I think we need to sort of think about the sovereignty of God in all this. God is hearing our prayers. He might not answer them the way we want him to answer them. He might not answer them as quickly as we want him to answer them. But he's in control. And when we as believers put our faith totally in God and we allow him to be God, then we can have a peace even in these situations. He is sovereign. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says this, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Another version puts it this way, that final verse, I will accomplish all my purpose. God is in control. In a crazy, mixed-up world where things are just going... It's off the charts, really, aren't there, when just every day there is somebody saying something stupid or, you know, young people being taught to sin, you know, as if it's good, saying that which is evil is good, and, and the world's looking, you know, like it, it could at any moment escalate into some kind of warfare. We can stand on knowing that God is God, that he's in control. And so whether it's, you know, Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, Hillary, Clinton, who becomes the president of America, God is still in control. Does matters not. Matters not what's happening, whether we're in you know Brexit or no Brexit. Matters not. God is in control and in our personal lives as well. He is sovereign. He's in control. And if we see things like that, it helps us so much when we're in those pits of despair. That we could even believe, Lord, I don't know why I'm here. In this situation. I don't know why you're allowing this to happen to me. But I trust you've got a purpose for it. I trust you have a purpose for it. Lord I trust that you know what you are doing. To be able to say that to God. Is quite liberating. And freeing. When you're in a pit. To not trust God. When we find ourselves in a pit. Often leads us to pride. Or perhaps falsehood. Verse 4 of Psalm 40 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. You know, the fall um, predisposes us towards pride. It's part of our fallen nature. We, we are proud. You know, we're, we're self-righteous. righteous we, we, we think we can sort of just sort everything out ourselves. We become proud. When life is difficult, pride can lead us to three places, I want to suggest. One is we can refuse to acknowledge we're even in a pit. I don't know if you're one of those person, persons, people even, one of those people who find it really hard to accept help. Anybody? I, I'm a little bit like that. I am a little bit, you know, because I want to be self-sufficient. I'm okay. I, you, know, you know, you want to sort of spill it all out and see how difficult things are and how hard things are in your life, but you sort of hold it back a little bit. And I'm okay, though. You maybe let a little bit go, but you don't really fully do it because, you know, I'm proud. I'm okay. Maybe that's a problem some of us have. A second thing we can have is that we can fool ourselves into believing we can pull ourselves out of the pit. You know, we, we can just, we can sort ourselves out don't really need anybody i'm okay I, i'm you know i'm in a pit now and think my, my life's a bit of a mess now but I, but i can get out of it it's okay and then what happens you go further and further into the pit or maybe a third thing we feel as well is that we believe we can never get out of that pit so we're just stuck there forever there's no light at the end of the tunnel you know, there are times, I'm sure in Dave, for David as we read him through the Psalms, there are times when I think, God is never going to deliver me. It's never going to happen. I trust in God. I know he's hearing my prayers and he's sovereign, but I'm going to be stuck here forever. And that's what the enemy wants you to believe. Let's trust in God when we find ourselves in difficult situations and not Trust in being proud or turning aside to lies that the devil would have us believe. We need to acknowledge that God is God and there are some things that only God can help us with. David acknowledged this when he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for the Lord. He didn't give up on God. And we mustn't give up on God either. 2 Corinthians 4:16 and 17, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the church at Corinth, said this, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but are the the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. See, the Apostle Paul had an eternal perspective. You know, we can get stuck in this life and in this world and what's happening, and yet we lose our eternal perspective. If we're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an eternal perspective. We have eternal life. What we experience here is but a moment in time. It's nothing. We need to look to the day when the Lord Jesus is going to return or we're going to pass away and going to spend eternity with him. We have a glorious hope. It should make us happy. It should make us be able to cope with whatever situation. The Apostle Paul found that he was always in danger. For Paul, people were always after him. You know, he was shipwrecked more than anybody probably and beaten more than anybody and locked up more than anybody. And all these things and all the time he just saw it as an opportunity to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. Can you imagine being a Roman guard chained to the Apostle Paul? What a nightmare for that guard. I mean, Paul wouldn't have left him alone. You could just see this guard sort of trying to pass him on to someone else all the time. Lord, you you know, you take him. It's your turn now. Because everything that happened in that man's life, he saw as an opportunity to, to progress the gospel. And David in Psalm 40 here, he's going to come through this situation and he's going to give praise to God. Everything that happens in our life, there's an opportunity to praise God. So when you're in a pit, you need to wait on God. The second thing is this. When you're in a pit, you need to wait patiently. You need to wait patiently. I don't know if I was in a literal pit, whether I'd be very patient. I, I don't know about you. I think, I, don't know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think I've got a little bit of a problem with confined spaces. You know, my, uh, my wife, Kath, we, we've got a rabbit at home. And um, she bought, she, she kept saying to me, you know, we need to buy something for the rabbit because it, it gets a bit bored and stuff. So she says, I don't know if she can tell it gets bored. You know, I, I don't know how you can tell that, but she gets bored. So she, brought, she bought these things for the back garden. They're like runners. They're like sort of like um, just tubes um, that, she can, that the rabbit can run through. And you can attach them to each other and they can run up and down and a lot. It's like she's having fun. But for some or no reason, before we put them out in the back garden, and Kath thought it'd be funny if I stuck one on my head. I don't know why. And it's quite a long sort of tube. And in the middle, it's got a hole so the, so the other bit can attach to it. So she thought it'd be funny, you know, if I not only just put it on top of my head, I'd pull it down so that hole bit is where my face is and she could take a picture of me. She's got pictures of me. Don't ask to see them. But I was trying to get it off then and it wasn't coming off really easily. And I could find myself panicking a little bit. And I'm thinking, this might be fun for a rabbit, but it ain't funny for me. And I'm trying to get it off. And then I sort of yanked it off quickly because I was panicking and sort of like bruised my nose, took skin off my nose or something. Confined, I don't know what you'd be like in a pit or a confined space. I wouldn't like it. I don't think I'd be very patient. But the pits that we're thinking about, the pits of despair, the pits where we have all kinds of problems in our life, we need to wait patiently for the Lord to deliver us. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord. In the Hebrew, there's almost like this double meaning there. It's almost like I waited patiently. It's almost like I patiently waited patiently. It's like I had to be patient for the Lord to turn up and he needed the lord to turn up because there was no other way that he could escape the pit that he found himself in sometimes that's us too isn't it you know we we have answers for all kinds of problems in our world today we can go got the doctors got the hospital got friends if we're in debt we could borrow some it you know if re- relationship Problems, You know, we can maybe get counselling, or if that doesn't work out, just get another partners. There's all kinds of things that people think and scheme to sort themselves out. But sometimes things happen in such a way that you can do nothing if the Lord doesn't turn up. We need God to turn up. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, famous verses, says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, sometimes only God can act, can do something for us. You've heard the story, I'm sure you've heard it, but I'm going to tell you it again anyway, of, of George Muller, who's a Christian social reformer from the Victorian era. <clears throat> and uh, it says this, this is in November 1844, I began to pray for the conversion of five individuals. I prayed every day without a single intermission, whether sick or in health, on the land, on the sea, or whatever the pressure of my engagements might be. Eighteen months passed before the first of the five was converted. I thanked God and prayed on for the others. Five years elapsed, and then the second was converted. I thanked God for the second and prayed on for the other three. Day by day, I continued to pray for them, and six years passed before the third was converted. I thanked God for these three and went on praying for the other two, these two remained unconverted. 36 years later, he wrote that the other two, uh, sons of one of Muller's friends, were still not converted. And he wrote, But I hope in God I pray on and look for the answer. They're not converted yet, but they will be. In 1897, 52 years after he began to pray, these two men were finally converted after Muller had died. Muller understood what Jesus meant when he told his disciples that they should always pray and not give up. That's a patient, patient man. That's someone who's petitioning God constantly and allowing God to deal with situations in his own time. All those guys got converted. Praise God. Persistence in prayer. Patience in affliction. When we're in that pit, when we're in that difficult place, we have to do what David says. We need to wait patiently for God to answer. Why does God allow us to go through difficult times? Why doesn't he always answer straight away? Why doesn't he take the affliction away immediately? Well, I want to suggest a few things. I think first and foremost, these afflictions can keep us dependent on him. You know, in the Apostle Paul... Had a thorn in the flesh, and he said, I prayed to the Lord to take it away. And the Lord said, My grace is sufficient for you. I'm not take it away. You're going to remain dependent upon me. You know, sometimes I believe the Lord allows things to happen so we remain dependent upon Him, so we keep our eyes on Him. God allows us to go through difficult times sometimes as well, so that we can help others. You know, if you've been through a situation, a very difficult, maybe a life-threatening situation, and you come through that, and you're praising God for that, you can help someone else in that situation, can't you? I met a lady in the last couple of years who was 40 years a Jehovah's Witness. And uh, as I was talking to her, you know, I said, what do you feel about that, you know, 40 years? And her view on it was, well, I believe the Lord allowed me to stay in there all that time, so now I can help others. She chose to believe that even in her time with, with that cult, God had a plan and a purpose. He had a plan and a purpose. She chose to believe that God is in control. You know, there may be times of difficulty and problems in our life that will enable us to talk to other people. And also as well, that we mustn't despair in these trials and tribulations because God is there. Romans 8:28 says and we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. God is working out his plans and his purposes. Even in our difficulties, even in our situations. We know the story of Job, don't we? Where Job has everything taken from him, everything that he held dear all his family, all his possessions, and yet he chose to still praise God and say, God, I put my trust in you. came into the world with nothing. I'm going to leave with nothing. He still chose. He didn't know the devil was behind that, that God was allowing the enemy to take those things. You know, God allows the enemy certain things, but God is still in control. God is always in control. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. That word there, inclined, suggests like a bending down, a, a coming nearer to so you can hear. So it's maybe like a little child sort of asking you a question and you sort of bend down to them to hear what they are saying. Psalm 34:15 to 19 says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, And his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. The Lord hears our cries. He turns his ear towards us. He inclines towards us. As we're in that pit, we wait patiently for the Lord to deliver us. So when we are in a pit, we wait on God. When we're in a pit, we wait patiently. And finally, when we're in a pit, we wait for God's deliverance. It says in verse 2, He also brought me up out of a horrible pit out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. And established my steps. Verse 3 He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it and fear and will trust in the Lord. David says, He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. There's a picture here of a lost sinner, a snapshot of salvation. He's saying, You know, He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says this, And you, Paul speaking to the Ephesians, he, that is God, made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. There's a snapshot of salvation here in Psalm 40. You know, many people around us don't realize they're in a pit, let alone how to get out of it. They're just living their life. They think this is what life's about. They do all the things that are not good for them. They disobey God. They forget God. They choose to ignore Him, even though it's plainly obvious there is a God. They're in a pit, and they don't know. They need the gospel. They need to know the danger that they're in. They need to be lifted from the pit of hell and their feet set on a solid rock, which is Jesus Christ himself. And that's our commission, friends, isn't it? To do that, to tell people, to warn people, to tell them they're in danger, to tell them they're in a pit. And say, look, I now to get you out of that situation, let me tell you about Jesus, for only Jesus can save and for David, in his pit, in his situation, he knew only God could deliver him. I don't know if you remember this, I'm sure you will, but you remember something that happened in South Wales many years ago in the 1960s in a place called Aberfan, a Welsh name. Uh, this was this. sorry, there was this slurry or pit as it says here, I think we would call it, many tons of what being dug out of the mines over the years. There are many mines in South Wales, and all this stuff had been heaped up probably for hundreds of years. There it was perched on the Browver Hill with a school at the bottom. Do you remember how this slurry began to move down the hill and cover the school? Precious little boys, precious little girls, learning their maths, doing their ABCs and singing their hymns, were well, suddenly enveloped in this mire and filth. This is the way the world is, and our children are being swallowed up by the mire and the filth of this world. We're all being swallowed up by it unless we cry to the Lord for deliverance. It is scary, isn't it, the world that our young people are growing up in? It really, really is. You know, most young people now, you will see attached to something called a mobile phone, or a tablet, not looking where they're going, walking across the street trying to find Pokemon, getting knocked down. You know, everything is just uh, against them. You know, as they're they're on the internet, there are things popping up, which they'll be tempted by, to look at, to read. The things they're being taught in school now, you know, the things that uh, to do with sexuality, to do with gender, you know, everything is going awry for our young people. Away from God, further and further and further away from God. It is like that thing in Aberfan, isn't it? That, that It's just that slurry just creeping down, creeping down until it's going to consume them and cover them. And the only way they're going to be delivered is the Lord Jesus. Only Jesus can set our feet on a rock. Only Jesus can give us a sure foundation. Only Jesus can fully give us life and life in all fullness. You know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we get it all right, or we don't have any problems. We've already said that. We can still have storms in our life, but we can have calm in the storm. In, um, back in the 18th century, again, i probably said this before today. I'd be amazed if I hadn't. But again, just a story of John Wesley on a ship traveling to America And the storms are raging around him and Wesley is fearing for his life. And he sees over uh, on a corner of the ship these Moravians who are just singing praise to God. And he challenges him. He's like, there's a storm raging. We're going to die. And you guys are singing and praising God. They had something that he didn't yet have. The peace of God. An assurance of their salvation. You know, when we're assured of our salvation, and Pastor Phil's been preaching about this the last two Sunday mornings, when we know who we are and to whom we belong, and we're assured that we belong to him, then no storms that befall us can rock our foundations. Because we're secure in the hand of Jesus. And when God delivers you, you go from despair to delight. You sing a new song. You have a new heart new thinking, and a new hope. Don't you just love to hear testimonies of people who've been really in the world, you know, and really sort of, I don't know, into drugs and sex and money and whatever it might be, just their life is just a mess. They're in a pit and God delivers them and then they stood before us telling you how Jesus redeemed them. They're just amazing out there and they're singing a new song to their God. This is what David says. He says, When I was delivered out of the pit, out of the miry clay, when I was set on a firm rock, I began to sing a new song to my God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Newness of life. And that newness... It's not just for when you're saved, that newness can be for now. A fresh newness. You can know Jesus afresh again, revealed anew. So if you're in a pit tonight, if you're in a difficult situation, whatever that pit is for you, God can restore you and put you firmly on the rock of Jesus again. He can do that. He wants to do that. David says that he was taken out of the pit, out of the miry clay, set his feet on a rock. God established his steps, he put a new song in his mouth. We want to praise God, he says, many will see it and will trust in the Lord. God's deliverance brings great joy to David, but he says many will see it and fear it and will trust in the Lord. So your deliverance from the pit, God can use to draw others to himself. This is apparently a true story I found as I was looking for illustrations and stories. But it says this. It says, Pastor Steve Yescheck, grit name, from Crystal Lake, Illinois, lost his sister Judy after a five-year battle with cancer. She was a woman who, as Steve described her, was a party animal, a big drinker with a self-contented lifestyle. She was someone everybody loved because she exuded excitement and a thrill for life. When Steve tried to share Jesus with her over the years, she would laugh it off and keep partying. But at the age of 44, her world caved in. She found out that she had cancer. She later learned her husband had cancer too. Adding to the devastation of these two blows, she discovered her husband was having an affair. He subsequently announced he didn't love her anymore and left her. It was in that context that she began to ask eternal questions and soon prayed to receive Jesus as her saviour. See, she had to get to a pit to rock bottom before she could see her need. From that time until her death, Jesus and his word and purpose became her priority. With the same gusto she lived her life as an unbeliever, she now approached her new life in Christ the same way. Her greatest aim was winning others to Christ She boldly shared her faith, even as she was undergoing surgery after surgery, praying for a miraculous healing from the Lord. Judy ultimately came to see that the greater miracle would be for her friends and family to come to know Christ. Even as she struggled for every breath, she talked her way out of the hospital about 10 days before her death so she could be baptized and publicly proclaim Christ as her only way of salvation. Judy invited everyone she knew knew to come to her baptism service. Under the Spirit's anointing, she powerfully and urgently shared her testimony. Her 84-year-old father came to faith in Christ that night and was baptised, along with her ex-husband, a number of nieces, a college roommate who was also a New Age cultist, her aunt, her sister and others. Ten days later, Judy died. Even still more people came to know the Saviour. When Steve read the message she had prepared for her own funeral service, another 100 people prayed to receive Christ that day. Wow. Wow. In her pit of despair, she sees her need. She's delivered. She comes to know Jesus. And many saw it and feared and came to trust in the Lord. The Lord has a plan for everything, friends. He really, really does. Even the worst situations, the worst scenario, he is working out his plans and his purposes. In David's life, in this, in, through his life, in these Psalms, in our lives and our tribulations and our trials, you know, there's no greater testimony than a changed life, a life changed by Jesus. You know, we have a number of people coming to our church on any given week through some of our ministries, some desperately needy people. And the only person that can change their life is Jesus. He's the only one that can take them out of their pit, out of the miry clay and put them on a firm foundation. He's the only one that can do that. They need Jesus. So just in closing, we need to think about these things. When we're in a pit, we need to wait on God. When we're in a pit, we need to wait patiently. When we're in a pit... We need to wait for God's deliverance. Do you feel like you're in a pit right now? And let me just leave a couple of verses of Scripture to encourage you. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and save such as have a contrite spirit. Don't despair. God's in control. And Revelation 21, 4 And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Amen. Let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are with us, whatever our circumstances. Lord, I pray you'd help us not to allow our circumstances to dictate our relationship with you but rather will see you in every circumstance. I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here tonight, Lord. Maybe many in a pit of despair, struggling with something in their life, just uh, concerned for their health, their their finances, their, their relationships, their future, their family. Lord, whatever it is, whatever that pit might be, I pray, Father, that they'll find you right there with them. And that, Father God, you will deliver them from that pit, that you will answer their prayers. And whatever it is, Lord, that they need, Lord, I pray that you'll incline your ear towards them and that, Lord, you'll answer. Because you're a loving God, slow to anger, abounding in grace. And we thank you, Father, that you love us so much, that we can trust you that whatever is happening in our lives, we know you're in control. So, Lord, may we this week just live believing that you're in control of our lives, that you're using us even when we don't realize it, Lord, to reach people for your kingdom. Lord, use us to tell others about Jesus so we can see people being lifted out of the pit and onto the firm foundation, which is Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we say we love you. We thank you for your precious grace and your mercy and your love towards us. Lord, speak to us. Be with us. Help us this this week. We pray in Jesus' name.